start wars. <laughs> start wars. Start wars. Start wars. Yeah. yeah, I almost said Star Trek. I'm Zach. I'm Riff. And I'm Kevin. And it's time for episode number 170? 169. 169 of Video Games Hot Dog, a podcast about video games. Are you sure the taco wasn't 169? No. Mm, pretty sure it's 170. Okay, well, fine then. Do you guys know how many episodes of this podcast we've done? No, well, I guess not. <laughs> neither do I. <laughs> I'm, how you been, guys? It's been two weeks. Yeah. I'm writing down that 170. Done. But what if you're wrong? No, I think Zach's right. I think uh, I think we published a taco, which took the took the one six nine slot. Yep, it did, and it was good. It had special guest, uh, Gravity Ghost. Yeah, it's funny to call her Gravity Ghost because that's it's funny to call be. everybody by their yeah. name. Space Team <laughs> said, "My wife is going to be jealous that I met Kingdom of Loathing," and then I said that about Space Team. Yeah, we went to the XOXO Fest. It was. XOXO lint. <laughs> Riff, Riff didn't go because it did not take place at Riff's house. That's correct. And also there's a sign, no hat guys allowed. Uh, Whoa. Uh, there was racist. a hat guy. There was a hat guy in our game of two rooms and a boom, and you immediately said, do not trust the hat guy. I Share did. nothing with the hat guy. And I looked and there were three guys wearing hats. And all three of them were bad people. Mm. We were the men without hats. That was our team. It was fun. Kevin, what were your highlights? Uh, well, I definitely enjoyed the video games and board games sections of the conference, uh, but the talks were really good, and I got to meet, like, a dozen people, and then we went on the, went to experience the best room escape that I have ever encountered. It was a pretty good room it escape. Was great. It was like being playtested. It was the first day that it had been run. We were, what, the fourth team? Yeah, third or fourth team. Their, um, their philosophy on this one is sort of fundamentally different than the Japanese scrap outfit philosophy uh, where they want almost every they want everyone to finish the room I think they want everyone to finish or get really close or to get finishing really close to finishing yeah whereas scrap does not give a fuck yeah they they're, want one out of every 300 teams to finish the room it's more like one out of every 10 or 20 but yeah so it's one out of 300 okay uh but it was good we don't we shouldn't spoil it no we shouldn't but it is in portland and Hopefully they have put up some actual dates that you can buy tickets for it uh, on their website, which you can get to from sparkofresistance.com. Hopefully our crew can go when we're up there for the Portland Retro Games experience. Yeah. That'd be pretty cool. I have I have specifically asked them. I've told them that we're bringing a bunch of people up and that uh, we would send a bunch of people their way if they can arrange to make that happen. But it was pretty fun. Yeah. We got to be spies in a Cold War. Ooh. It's good. So it was good. very uh, it's very heavy on props. The puzzles uh, were all pretty I guess you'd call them diegetic, diegetic yeah. puzzles. Yeah, like they 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 were all f- props that made sense. Mm. Did like, you get yeah. to disassemble a desk? No. You didn't really have to take anything apart. That was which another was nice thing. Like it was very obvious which spaces were accessible to you and which ones weren't. Hmm. Yeah. Um you got to do all you got to do all sorts of crazy things. There were just all of the puzzles were like objects that would have actually been in the space that this I mean fictional space. The space this the fictional space is is a little silly and exaggerated. Right. But there isn't like yeah, I don't know. The 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 scrap ones are They're so like IKEA furniture. Yeah, they're really low budget in a weird way. Yeah. That's and that's nice. I I really like it. 
if something has a story, then all the props should fit. Is how I feel, and that's yeah, that's that's nice to see that. There's only one sort of latent-y weird thing in it where the yeah, like thing that kind of doesn't make sense. Like this is not how a spy would have encoded this information because. It's Are you thinking just, of the the four things? Yeah, it's yeah. just a dumb puzzle, like from a video game or like a highlights magazine <laughs> it's i encoded this secret message in the sequence of matchsticks laid out on the desk yeah yeah <laughs> yeah or like uh you know my my code is the the this towers of hanoi that you have to solve and be, like, oh my god <clears throat> um yeah that was great portland is great yeah i had a really good time in portland the food is good all the people are nice and and friendly and welcoming it was like soul crushingly hot uh and, and by that he means like 85 maybe 90 degrees yeah but like a billion percent humidity and i was wearing a fur suit it wasn't even that humid <laughs> that's what kind of convention xoxo is um hugs and good. kisses i i did not get to i did not get to meet the three people that i intended to meet while i was there <laughs> Huh. But I met a bunch of other people, and it was great. Who who were the three people you wanted to meet? Uh, I wanted to meet uh, I wanted to meet Matt Howie, uh, the guy who made mm. Metafilter, and uh, Joshua Schachter, the guy who made Meme Pool, and uh, Jason Scott from from TextFiles.com. But him I will meet because we were already like supposed to have lunch together in San Francisco, and it just didn't work out. Um, you surreptitiously met uh, News Blur. <laughs> I did. We just happened to run into a guy at a cafe on the way to the thing, and, like, it came out in the first, like, four or five just chit-chat sentences that he made. He he is a software developer. What kind of software? A newsreader. What newsreader? News blur. Oh, oh. I'm, I'm a paying customer of your service. <laughs> and he said, thanks. And then I complained about a feature that I didn't <laughs> like. I did not actually do that. We got to hang out with a bunch of the Slack people. Yeah, which wasn't new for us, but uh, it was nice to see them being just showered with praise and love from everybody because apparently everybody is using Slack now. Yeah, they seem to I... have made some custom clothing. Yeah, they've got Slack socks, and I was like, huh. oh, "When are the Slack slacks coming?" And they're like, "That's oh. the next thing." Mm. So I just started using Slack today, and it is real good. Yeah, it's been we've been sort of we we had a Slack account back when it was like in closed beta or whatever and then didn't really use it much but have uh have opted into it as time has gone by having remote people on a non-kol project yeah uh, has made that a godsend because normally when we're working on something that's not kol we just make the other people that are working with us make kol accounts so that they can use our back-end tools for like right. task tracking and stuff um which is just bullshit it doesn't make any sense for like other projects i think to do that anymore to change the games list yep. for zapcon wes has to log into his kol <clears throat> account and use a script that i wrote in there it's pretty, <laughs> pretty dumb it was no it's pretty good you mean uh we met the woman who like founded wordnik which is like a online word database thing which is cool probably eventually going to have a profit model of some sort yeah they've got 27 employees i think doing their thing just making up new words making up new words yep um who else did we run across a bunch of game devs yeah it was good we played some games 
We did. We got to play Edgar Rice Soiree, yeah. which is the new game from uh, Doug Wilson, who made Johann Sebastian Joust. Um, who also uses a bunch of PlayStation Move controllers. Yeah, so the way that... Dancing? No. no. The way that Johann Sebastian Joust works is you're holding a PlayStation Move controller, and you're There's only music. allowed to move it so quickly. Based and, on the, the tempo of the music. That's yeah, playing. and so your goal is to, like jostle other people while not jostling your move controller you're trying to like bat at other people's or push them so that they accidentally move it fast um the way that edgar rice soiree works is uh, makes it a lot more difficult to play anywhere uh right um there is a there is a grid of playstation move controllers of indeterminate size apparently hanging from the ceiling from strings and you are assigned a color and at every point, you have to be holding one of your color. Holding it, it's it's hard to tell this from watching until he explains it. Holding it means holding down any of the buttons on it. So there's like a big, spongy, spring-loaded trigger, trigger yeah. and then a bunch of buttons on the other side. Like, this was the first time I had ever touched or really seen a PlayStation Move controller. How, how high above the floor are these suspended? They are at about chest height okay on me um so you know waist height on that crazy tall basketball player you always want to have two of them in your hand of your color so that when one of them changes color Mm -hmm. you can lunge for another one i'm not sure what the algorithm is for the way that they change colors i don't know if ever both i don't know if you ever have like multiples of one color becoming another color or not yeah i'm not sure how how it would have to it also vibrates when it changes so you can tell um but yeah it's good you just you just sort of are lunging around and they get tangled up and you're running past each other apparently like it is just a gigantic pain in the ass for him to show though because it because he's running it on these macbooks and a macbook will only tether seven bluetooth devices to one macbook he has to have like three of them networked together in order to play the thing um so basically what he needs is some custom hardware for this i guess this was only like the sixth or seventh time that it had ever been playable because it's a thing that only exists at festivals but it was fun the music was really spooky and ambient and cool there's uh quite a show happening next door there they have bagpipes riff Ooh, they're bagpipes guys yeah Got to play Two Rooms in a Boom, which was cool. Yeah, Two Rooms in a Boom is a, a game that's like... It's in the uh, provenance like the of like Mafia. Mafia or whatever, okay. where you you I are issued... You're issued a, a hidden role at the beginning of the game. Yeah. And there are... There's like... In, in just the very, very basic form of the game, you are either on the red team or the blue team. And one person on the blue team is the president, and one person on the red team is the bomber. And you're divided randomly at the beginning of the game into two groups. I don't know how, I don't know if there's a distribution of cards in the beginning or if it really is random. Um, you are then allowed to propose to another player, would you like to color share, which reveals what team you're on to them. And then they can say, would you like to full card share, which reveals whether you are, like, whether you're a normal guy or the president. Um, there are several rounds of decreasing duration, the end of which an elected leader of each room sends over some number of hostages to the other room. For a swap. At the end of the game, 
if the president and the bomber are in the same room, then the bomber's team wins. And if they're not, then the president's team wins. Yeah. So the goal is to like figure out who everybody is, but not let your opponent figure out who everybody is. And then like the sort of Avalon style, they start to introduce different, different roles than just the basic ones so that there is more or less hidden information going on. There is a guy called the Koi Boy, uh, who, and this is a counter to, you'll have these and you will have spies who are, you have a red card. So if you color share with somebody, they think you're on the red team. But if you full share, they will realize that you are a spy for the blue team. Mm. But the Koi Boy is of a color, but is just not allowed to card share. If somebody asks you to card share, you say, I can't. Um, but anybody else can say that too. Yeah. You're, you're, you're encouraged to lie. There are, there is a, there is a Romeo and Juliet who are like a neutral. They're like a gray. They, they yeah. win if they are both in the same room and it is in the same room as the bomb at the end of the game. So they win by dying, but only together. Um, do they have to be in the room with the bomber and the president? To, no, I think to... it's just they win if just, just by being with the bomb. Okay. And then the butler and the maid win if they are in the room with the president, whether he dies or not. I guess there is, there is, MI6, which is an independent agent who has only, he only, he wins if he knows who the president and the bomber are. He's, no, he has to have card share with both of them. Well, too. okay, but the way that you, the way that you know that is by card sharing with them, right? Like, sure. the, the only thing that you can really check is MI6, do you know who the bomber and the president are? Right. Hmm. I, yeah, I, it's, it's hard to tell, right? Because card sharing doesn't, it's not like you get a flag set. No, but like if if I was the president and I was like I never card shared with him, then yeah, I guess that's true. It depends. Um, yeah. There is a, there's like a gambler who he's also gray who just bets which team at the is end, gonna yeah, win. At the end of the game, he win. He can bet on whether red or or blue is gonna win, and then um, decides. So like what you're gonna you have like a fifty fifty shot if you don't have any information, and theoretically, if you can get some additional information, you can uh, you can win on your own. The other colored ones, there's sometimes they'll introduce the doctor and the engineer. So like the president and the doctor have to have card shared or the president dies no matter what. And the bomber and the engineer have to have card shared or the bomb doesn't go off. Huh. Um, what are the other colored? There's the con man. Right. Con man. If, if you can get someone to color share with you and you reveal that you are the con man, they have to card share with you. Um, so the con man is sort of a, an anti-spy measure. And also can find out. I don't, I think th- that even works against people of the opposite team. It works against anybody. Yeah. yeah. So we found that was the guy with the hat. Yeah. So we just sequestered him and didn't let anyone talk to him the entire time. So I'm guessing that game was super fucking fun for him uh, <laughs> after tipping his hand there. Uh, you can, by simple majority, you can um, elect a new leader, elect a new leader yeah. which is very important to do if you are, if your team is. The side that you start on, for example, has a spy as a leader. <laughs> yeah, that was the thing that happened. I forget. I feel like there was at least one more set of roles that were on a team that I'm not remembering. Probably. I mean, like we didn't. We only saw a small portion of the the variants that they had. So, the coy boy. Yeah, <laughs> I don't like that. It looks too much like cowboy. I wish there was a cowboy. Anyway, it's great, that was a though. tremendous amount of fun. It's not a game that you can buy. 
And even if it was, it's probably not a game that you would buy because it's a party game that requires you to have like 10 people, 12 friends. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it should be coming out in November. You can pre-order it now. It's fun. It's fun, but it's like, it's it not as too many people to be practical. It needs too many people to be practical as like a mass market thing, I think. I don't know. It's it's a party game. You know, like Werewolf has done really well as the versions that have actually been sold. And like, yeah, that is it? also more but fun you, with like eight or ten people. Yeah, but you can play Werewolf perfectly, reasonably fine with like half a dozen. Uh, sure. It's it like, it gets to be way more and more, way more and more fun the more True. people you have with, with Werewolf, right? Um, have you ever played One Night Werewolf Riff? Uh, no. One Night Ultimate Werewolf. Yeah, One Night Ultimate Werewolf. It's, that one is fantastic. Uh, it has, it, it has a single round of like werewolf voting basically. Um, and, and so you either like identify the werewolves and all the villagers win or you don't and the werewolves win. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. But there's a bunch of weird shit that happens. There's, there, it comes with an iPhone app, uh, that, that, that plays a series of instructions. And there are things like, one player is the drunk, and at a certain point, the drunk trades identities with someone else. Without getting a look at either yeah, of them. Without knowing. So the, the person who's now the drunk doesn't know that they're the drunk, and the drunk does not know who they are. <laughs> so there's a robber who gets to steal somebody else's identity. Because that's how that crime works. <laughs> there is there's a uh, there's a trickster who just gets to swap two other people's identities. There's an insomniac who is the only person who knows for sure who they are at the end of the night. Um, yeah, there are masons in the same number as the werewolves who know who one another are. Um, Be- but so, that's before but, all the swapping. I yeah, think. it's before the swapping. But they also they act as just a counter to the werewolves, right? Because there's always the same number of masons as werewolves. So if you are the werewolves, you will try to convince everyone that you are the masons, and that's why that right. explains why you're colluding. But then you have to like cast cast doubt on the actual masons. Yeah, amen. Oh, it's fun. It's a fun it's game. It's really, really good. It takes like 15 minutes to play an entire game. Yeah, it, it distills the whole thing into just like perfect, like sort of high intensity, high intensity, sort of fun, short duration. Um, and I, I played a lot of Mafia back in the day, like just past college. Were these like games that would go on over weeks or? No, they were like dinner party games. Like every Sunday, I'd get together and have a big dinner party with people. Um, yeah, we would cook. We would pick something super weird to cook every week. Like we had kangaroo one time, and on Easter we made eggs and rabbit. <laughs> um, Where'd you get the rabbit? There was this. There was this weird sort of specialty meat store where we were getting all the strange. Like we had alligator one time. We had all kinds of different steaks. Yeah, just like whatever whatever new strange thing was in the store we would figure out a way to cook it so you're like the noah of eating animals <laughs> yep we do it we do it every animal twice yep uh what else did we play played guts of glory which is zach cage's board game that was kickstarted yeah um it's weird it is weird it's i really like the game mechanically the theme is is weird because you're eating stuff, but none of the stuff is food, really. Hmm. Um, it seems like maybe 
it takes place in a post-apocalyptic world where the only thing that's left alive is tires and cars and I, I think you're a mutant and I think you just get to, you could you just sort of eat whatever. Okay. Um and there's like you you're like your your game board is like five slots. It's just a giant mouth and on the sides of your mouth you can chew actual like foods and in the middle you chew what what the game calls condiments and there are things like gloves and um boxes of like garbage <laughs> i don't know it was it, like the theming is very weird um but the mechanics of it are pretty cool uh you end up get your mouth ends up getting full and you're like each round you only have a limited amount of stuff that you can chew on and when your mouth gets all completely filled up you like start these cascades of like spitting or stuff into to, like barf other people's into the mouth mouths. of the guy next to you what <laughs> Right, no, right, so this all sounds very weird, and turns out, and I would never have, I don't think I would have ever figured this out if he, ha- if the, like, creator of the game hadn't been there explaining it, but the, this is all a metaphor for freelance work. Oh, okay. <laughs> Where you're, like, sometimes you're getting a lot of jobs, and you're having to juggle a lot of different things, and, like, some of them are really good and advance your career, and some of them are just sort of, like, treading water. Sometimes you have a really hard time chewing on a, on a glove. <laughs> But sometimes you have too much, you too much that you can't uh, you can't handle anymore. So you have to pass it on to your friends, um, that kind of thing. It's weird, uh, but good. I you know I would totally play it again. I think we also played Tenya Wanya Teens, which oh, is so good. Uh, the new game from uh, Keita Takahashi. So it it is played with a joystick, which just moves your little dude around on the screen, and a grid of 16 buttons, yeah. each of which can programmatically a light up a color-changing color. LED. And yeah. so it starts out like, you are in a locker room, and it says, blue equals take a shower. And you have to move over to a, a shower, shower head, head yeah. and then hit any button, because they're all blue. And then in the next room, it teaches you that, you know, green is grizzly bear so you're like there's a river with fish going down it and you hit the green button but then half of your buttons are blue and half of them are green and it switches at intervals so you'll be trying to get a fish out of the river as a grizzly bear but then you'll just take a shower um (laughs) and then it adds it just keeps adding more and more verbs subdividing the buttons even yeah until the end when you've got 10 or 12 different things that you have to remember what color they associate with and then it just puts you into a room with every different thing that you've encountered (laughs) and there's just sort of like once you've used one of them up once you've performed the correct action on an object then no one else can do it so it's just a matter of like being the first one to figure out to remember like which button was take a shower and run to all the showers and hit that one yeah it's really really good because you not only do you have to remember the color then you have to like constantly look down at your board because the buttons are changing position on the board every five or ten seconds or whatever so you can't just like sit there in the river and hit the green button to to put on your bear suit and knock some salmon out of the stream because right. like if you're not paying attention the way that you know that the buttons have swapped is suddenly you'll do some weird thing yeah. that isn't getting a fish um, and the, like the rounds are super short. It's like 10 seconds for each activity and then you move on to something else. So it's, it's, yeah, it's really good. Super, super, super custom controller. So this is like never something that's going to be commercially sold. I, I can't imagine, but it's great. Um, you didn't get a chance to play quadrilateral cowboy. No, I stood there for a long time, not watching the screen, uh, so that I could play it unspoiled, mm. but then I didn't end up doing that. I, Got to talking to somebody instead. 
We played a game of uh, Yukon Salon. Yeah, that's not even that's not even a real game yet. Yeah. Someone someone had uh, just prototyped a board game or a card game. We played it. It's a pretty good premise. Yeah, I really I really like the idea behind it, and I feel like the mechanics need some some love, but they're uh, they've got potential. It's uh, <laughs> you're a a like stylist up in the the far north, and your clients are lumberjacks who want really stylish beards and they're like beardos and then uh your other clients are grizzly bears <clears throat> who want really um beautiful hairdos they want bear dues so it's beard beardos and bear dues and then every card can be either a weird beard on a lumberjack or a weird hairdo on a bear yeah like some of them are more suited to be hilarious in one configuration and appropriate in the other yeah anyways pretty bears really like getting beehive hair hairdos i get it it's good because they mm, right yep it's good the concept is super strong it's there's dice involved and that makes it a little like unsavory in some way i played almost an entire game doing almost nothing because i just kept rolling shittily Mm. What else do we get to see? <clears throat> uh, copyright infringement gloom was being exhibited, but we didn't get to play it. Um, so he's he's about to release like a fairy tale edition of gloom that works in the same way. But the way that copyright infringement gloom works is instead of well, okay, so let's let's backpedal a bit. The way that gloom works <laughs> is that you have like a family in front of you that is represented by four or five cards. And then the cards are these transparent overlays that have like numerical values in certain spots. And what you're trying to do is make it's very like Edward Gorey themed. And you're trying to make your family have the most miserable possible lives and then kill them. Uh <laughs> And so you have these things that you can play on other people's cards that are like, got married and had a family or whatever, and that gives positive points, and then you need to find something that is, like, bad in the right way that covers up the positive numbers to play on the guy before you kill them. You can also, like, kill someone else's guy when they're happy. Like, them dying happy just means they're, like, locked in and that person has sort of lost sadness points. But they're all just kind of, there's an HP Lovecraft themed one, and then there's just the normal one, which is just sort of like grim, just. Gashly like, Crumb Tinies almost. Yeah. almost. Um, snicket kind of stuff. Yeah. But copyright infringement gloom, you're randomly distributed a family of people like, you know, Han Solo and <laughs> Mel Reynolds and stuff. Like, it's just Robocop or whatever, right? Like, you just have all of these different things that, like, that just there's no way that you can ever sell this thing. But the fact that you are randomly distributed a, a set of these guys that you know who they are makes the sort of storytelling aspect of the game a lot funnier, I imagine. Yeah, it's, I think it's probably a lot easier to connect to like a a set of people that you already have like a fiction and context for, and then like it becomes this weird sort of fanfic crossover universe craziness. The basic game of gloom is it's fine as a game, but what it, what it really is, is sort of an, you are strongly encouraged to tell elaborate stories about the things that Mm -hmm. are happening to them and tie them, you know, like, Oh, this guy met some ducks and then later he drowned. So the drowning is going to be of a slightly different character. Um, 
And I think that that is probably easier to get strangers to do if it is stuff about Princess Leia than if it was just, you know, stuff about this character that that uh, was made up. Right. I have just spaced the guy's name. Keith Baker? Yes, Keith Baker. Uh, the card game was, uh, the, the guy who made it is also, he, he also did the room escape game with us. Uh, he's the, he's also the guy that made the Eberron D and D setting. Oh, okay. Um, which is yeah, random. Oh, and that, uh, the doom that came to Atlantic city, that right. like mm. Cthulhu reskinning of monopoly. That's really good. Anyway, that was what we did at XOXO. What have yeah. you been up to riff? We played some weird poker variations at KOLCon. Oh, yeah. Came up with some really good ones. Yeah. The Jenny's uh, 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 capitalism game was oh, Jesus fucking Christ. ridiculous. That just went nuts. The, the, so so the, the way this worked is we were playing, what was it? Was it seven card stud or five card stud or something? With capitalism? Yeah. I don't. I can. I wrote it down. I'll. I'll I don't. Check. I don't remember what the base game was, but alongside that, she dealt up face up in the middle of the table from a second deck, uh, just five other cards, and dealt them out like similarly to how you would in uh, Texas Hold'em. But unlike that, these cards are not part of your hand. Uh, they were just indicators. Yeah, they, and, and it, they, she reshuffled anything that was a yeah, duplicate if there was of like a value. Duplicate. So the way it worked was every time somebody made a bet or or covered a bet, they put their money on one of these cards in the middle of the table, and then at the end of the hand at the the showdown, whichever one of those cards had the most money on it was the wild value for that hand. Yeah. So everybody was man just going nuts trying to get the the one card they needed to be wild and we decided that there was no there is no better raise limit for this particular game because capitalism and that also meant like bribery and collusion were possible yeah. <laughs> it was ridiculous like oh, the, it like... was i i'm glad i got out early of that hand i had i had no good cards so i didn't even consider staying in and that was for the best because that hand went crazy i went i went and i actually bought more chips to stay in the game and like still got basically run out of chips it was nuts you riff you you had brought a weird variant but it was that was a real like not <laughs> this is not to say that jenny's game was not real but <laughs> there was a the variant that you had played before that was like an established game, right? That wasn't a thing that you made up. The one where the one, you were dealt you were dealt a face down card from a different deck that represented what oh, card yeah, was wild no, for secret, you. Secret police. No, that was I. I made that up. Oh, yeah, we were all just making up poker variants that that whole night. Oh well, that was so. Yeah, describe your secret police game that you made up because so that was really cool. It was seven card stud and. Uh, alongside your your regular cards you also get everyone gets a card from a second deck so like we were playing with a red back deck so everyone also got a blue card and like in uh capitalism the blue card isn't part of your hand it's just an indicator and it indicates what value is wild for you and um, no one else gets to and, see it and nobody else gets to see it and then except except 
if during the course of the game, if somebody is dealt face up a king, then everybody has to pass their indicator card to the left. So, so suddenly you've got something different as your wild card now, your wild value. And if you can keep track of it, you know what the person to your left, what their wild card is. But as the game keeps, keeps going, if more and more kings come up, it gets harder and harder to remember. Yeah, that was pretty interesting. I think that. <clears throat> Those are both good poker variants for nerds, probably not for real <laughs> poker players, right? Because that uh, the unpredictability. Well, real poker of, players just like to play hold'em, and that's boring as hell. Yeah, ever since Matt Damon poisoned everyone's mind. We uh we we also had a variant called Dual Wield, where you just got dealt two card like two hands full of cards oh right right it was like five two, card draw yeah two two sets of five card draw done with the two different the two different decks so you had five red you could cards mix and, and match. five blue cards yeah but you could so you had 10 cards but you could make any two five card hands you wanted and then we you we were playing uh high high and low so you you had to make the best five heart five card hand you could and also the worst five card hand you could huh. and, then, and then you split the pot yeah they split the pot between highest high and lowest low but if you you could have the best and the worst and get the entire pot you could I, you, theoretically i nearly did once the the comp- competition for the lowest hand was by far the fiercest every time yeah it's weird it seems like a thing that is easier to go for well it's a very particular the the lowest possible Hand is a very particular hand. It's like seven. It's like seven high, right? Like the uh, it, assuming assuming you're playing aces is low. It's six four three two ace. Because if you had six five, the five becomes a, a high card compared to somebody that has six four. Right. Right. But I, I think I was assuming that an ace is high. Right. Um. In a straight. I mean, I guess straights sort of work both ways, but you can't. Like well, it has to be a broken straight to be low because if king it's, ace if it's two three. No, but I'm straight. saying king ace two three four is not a straight. But we were ace, two, we three, were four, we were playing is. we were playing aces can go either way. Huh. Uh, I guess we never specified. Is that generally is that generally we, true in poker though? Because I mean, I, I feel like really certainly know. a royal flush is a straight that ends to with is. an ace. But I would think that ace two three four five maybe ace two three four five is not a straight. Possibly. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't feel like there is generally like a moment at the beginning of a poker game where you decide whether aces are high or low. Yeah, not not unless you're playing high low. Well, yeah, that was that poker happened all at the casino night at the Kingdom of Loathing convention, which we also did since the last time we recorded. That was pretty good. There were a lot of people there who are fans of a of a video game called The Kingdom of Loathing. Also, gambling. Yeah. <laughs> hmm. Have you guys played any video games apart from uh, at conventions and poker? Mm, I played a bunch of Minecraft. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. I, uh, I set up a... Uh, well, what I did was, for a long time, I've had this uh, this chicken killing machine that gathers eggs from this this sort of box full of chickens and then fires them out of a dispenser gun across the river in my town into a pit 
And so this pit gradually collects chickens, and then I had a lever that would dump all the chickens into a, a burning pit to kill them all and collect the meat. And then I decided, <laughs> I decided uh, after the new update, I decided that, like, I noticed that the chickens that are that are in the pit waiting to die are producing eggs, and those eggs just get burned when the when the chickens get dumped in the into the roaster. And I felt that was kind of wasteful, so. I set it up to gather to automatically gather those eggs and send them back across the river and feed them back into the gun to to make it more efficient and our friend uh, Nightmare who plays on the same server pointed out that this means that chickens will now like increase in volume in the pit at a geometric rate instead of a linear rate <laughs> and that if I accidentally left it running overnight it might crash the server so I uh I set up a 13 uh a 13 day clock like a 4 hour and 20 minute clock that automatically no. yeah that automatically uh turns on the roaster every every time it ticks around 13 Minecraft days. Doesn't somebody have to be in the area and logged in for this to work? Yes, but I mean the assumption was that somebody would leave their computer logged in. Yeah, like if if I if I happen to be I don't know if I happened to be hanging around my town and then went to bed without remembering that I'd left it running then. What, uh, what mechanism allows you to collect eggs automatically? Well, the, the bin that the, that the first batch of chickens I mentioned, uh, is in was an older version before some of the, some of the, mechanical stuff was added more recently and the way that one works is it's just a pit full of running water that directs the the water directs to a hole in one corner of the thing and the chickens don't fall out the hole because they they swim up but eggs fall down through the hole so they they drift down and then and then drop uh, out I the see. bottom of the container but then later um uh, the game introduced uh hoppers which is like a a funnel that automatically grabs any loose item that it that uh, encounters it and pipes them into like a nearby chest or into another hopper so you can have long pipes of them and uh hmm. so so that was the the second uh, uh advancement of that was instead of having to go and pick up eggs off the ground myself it piped them into a chest and then later on it pipe them out of the chest and into the dispenser which then fires them across the river and that was how i that was how i adapted the the pit to collect new eggs was i just lined the entire bottom of the pit with hoppers and directed them into another pipe that went oh wow what are you gonna do with all those eggs uh well the eggs just get loaded back into the gun to make more chickens well what are you gonna do with all the chicken meat the the chicken meat is what i use as my regular food wandering around if if chickens die in a fire does the meat get cooked yes automatically <laughs> okay that's that's good that's hilarious yep hmm. and uh, uh the other thing i played was um i don't know if you guys heard of it because it's not a new game but it's new to iphone and ipad it was uh valiant hearts um uh some subtitle having to do with world war one I've forgotten mm -mm. the entire title. But oh, is I that that like that. adventure game where you have to pee in your mouth to <laughs> avoid mustard gas? Huh, oh, 
I I uh, I haven't gotten that far yet. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's a sort of adventure game. It's it's uh it's um 2D like goofy puzzles like, interspersed with actual depressing facts about World War 1. Yeah, it's like it's got some point and click adventure stuff and some like some real simple dexterity challenges like run across the screen without being hit by mortar shells or or uh like a, a sort of a not entirely like desert golf sort of thing where you're trying to throw a hand grenade into a specific hole. But yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's a collection of, of simple games with a, a rapping story about a rapping story, a, but a story wrapped around it. That's about like the lives of, uh, like half a dozen people that got involved in one way or the other in World War One, and terrible things that happened, and yeah, and sometimes you collect articles and it gives you a little bit of of historical detail, and it's pretty good. It's interesting. The art's really attractive. It's got a nice like hand drawn sort of style, and I kind of like World War One. I, I kind of find World War One a little more interesting than World War Two, just by the nature of. Nobody really talks about World War One like a tenth of much as World War Two, so it's oh, it's a little different. I feel like it's less like World War One is way less like a video game. There were like there weren't really airplanes used to speak of, right? Right. right. Like it was just the very beginning. It was like guys just throwing things over the side of single yeah, prop like, planes, like, like the just invented like trench warfare and yeah world war Two was the thing that drove so much of the big things that you look at as the difference between modern technology and you know say cowboy shit like huh like uh, radar and well just like fighter planes and you know tanks big metal boats with guns on them and tanks and stuff yeah like yeah i guess that like all of those things were in extremely like limited development earlier in earlier wars but this one was like just full-on crazy multi-year like a nuclear weapons yeah like yeah. i think partly because that was just a big time for Technology in general, and also because it drove a ton of innovation. I yeah, mean, we should start some more giant wars. Well, I was going to say, like, if <laughs> if there was some sort of full on, on our world list. world war now, it would, you know, assuming that they didn't just escalate immediately to nuclear war, it would be fucking crazy. Mm-hmm. There's like robots and drones robots and shit. And the that drones, would, yeah. Like, it would be fucking crazy. Like, suddenly, like, the moon would become really important for some reason, and so everyone mm-hmm. would have to get to the moon, and there would be moon soldiers. Yeah. I mean, man, if you've, got, if you've got a base on the moon, all you need is rocks. You don't even need real weapons. Well, you need rocks and, like, rocks a bunch and- of energy that you would have to take to the moon with you. To- <laughs> yeah, you just need, like, a catapult. It's a lot easier to get stuff off of the moon's gravity than it is to get them off the Earth's gravity. And once, yeah, but you, once you get it off the, mer- the the moon's gravity, it'll just fall straight onto Earth. I mean, it's easier, but it's still not 
easy. And also, like, you couldn't even build, like, a 1400s catapult on the moon because there are no trees. <laughs> I guess if like, you got, if you got guys up there, you can, you can take some big rubber bands with them. <laughs> you could just make a catapult out of the guy's bones. <laughs> oh, man. Okay. All you need is an ice rink so that you get a bunch of guys to hold hands and just <laughs> spin around in a huge circle, which there's not a lot of air resistance. So the guy on the outside yeah. can get going really, really fast and then be oh. like, all right, let go of the rock while it's pointed at Scotland. <laughs> I'm assuming that we're trying to destroy Scotland yeah. here. It also doesn't it have to be like a really, really, really big rock to survive reentry, though. Uh, you could, I don't know. In, in, in the book, I don't know how technically accurate it is, but in The Moon is a Harsh Mistress, they were just packing chunks of concrete into, like, grapefruit cans. Huh. That doesn't seem like it would work. And firing them back at the Earth? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just bombarding That seems the Earth dubious. Maybe the premise was that in the future, genetically altered grapefruits are the <laughs> size of continents. <laughs> Yeah. Anyway, World War Three probably yeah. has some pretty cool moon ice skating. And it's probably going to be started by the Scottish. Yep. <laughs> uh, that is pretty much all I played. What have, what have you guys been playing? Uh, I only played uh, a little bit of a game that Zach has already mentioned before called uh, Metal Slug Defense. Hmm. Um, it's like one of those like games where... You generate units, like, you're sort of generating currency, and you use that to, to buy one of a handful of units that start on your side and advance towards the enemy's base. And in this one, they all have activatable abilities that charge up as they walk across the battlefield. And the first levels are basically trivial, and then the super hard levels are near impossible. And so, I don't know. I, I didn't really get into it all that much, because... It has sort of a an energy system that slowly refills, so you can you can play maybe ten or twelve batches of of fighting before it runs out, and then just I guess you have to wait a couple hours. I don't I don't know. I I I played a handful of of matches of it, and then was like, ah, I think I might be done with this. Yeah, it didn't last me a super long time, but it's got metal slug sprites. That's Those true. Are cool. That's true. Seems like there are a, a crazy number of units that you eventually unlock, but yeah, uh, I was just had the first four or whatever. There's not much to do with them, though. You know, it's all just kind of the same game over yeah. and over. It's it's compelling in the same way that like a cookie clicker kind of thing is compelling. Sure, but it also wears off pretty fast, like that. You just gotta get desert golfing. Yeah. You're just never going to because of of the golf being a, being a traumatic uh, traumatic thing for you. <laughs> but uh, man, I'm up to I'm up to like the seven hundreds. Oh yeah, yeah. I can't wait to can't wait to get my score. I got to about I I got to forty on the iPad and a little bit more than forty on the phone. Were they the same was, levels? Yeah, they were the same levels. I did a lot better on the iPad than on the phone. That doesn't surprise me. I, well, I was also doing the, the phone later, so you would think I would have a little bit more practice. But but you've got so much finer control on the iPad that that doesn't surprise I me. I guess, real. but I, uh, 
I'm not I'm not so accurate that I feel like that would have made much of a difference. My score my my score for the first 40 holes on the iPad was an average of like 2.85 and on the phone was like 3.3. I mean, your average at 40 holes is kind of irrelevant anyway, like Yeah, well, I sure as you as you cuz that's like before it starts getting real stupid hard, I imagine. I mean, it never really gets stupid hard. There, there are individual holes that are crazy. Yeah, but like, like hole number eight was a pain in the ass. <laughs> mm, man, it's good. It's so good. It's just like a. It's just like a nice thing to do for a little while. You can yeah. always do it, and it's always like, all oh, right, this this is game. Yeah. I like this. It doesn't take a lot of attention. So if you're like, see, it's something you can do while you're watching a video and it's like at kind of a boring bit or just whatever it's pretty good desert golfing i also um i remembered that a while ago i had started playing fallout new vegas again so that i could play the dlc that i never played hmm. but then to get to that dlc i had to go through that stupid sierra madre thing where you're just in a giant hell of identical corridors and poisonous gas and i just quit in the middle of that but i went back to it and finally beat that and i've gotten into the final dlc the dlcl the <laughs> flcl dlc uh lonesome road uh, which is pretty cool again. by Cor cormac mccarthy yeah yeah yeah, you gotta, you gotta, there's all these warheads all over the place and you have to detonate the warheads using this crazy laser thing and it'll like open new paths and there's an achievement for <laughs> blowing them all up. But, uh, you know, it's just more fallout, which is what I crave. Yep. Couple days, Wasteland 2. Oh, right. That really is just a couple days, huh? They released a trailer for uh, Torment Tides of Numenera today, which looked pretty good. Man, big sprawling RPGs. Yeah, all these mm -hmm. kickstarted games are coming That's to fruition. Stuff. When is, uh, uh, what's the main Obsidian one called? Pillars of Eternity? Yeah. I don't know anything about mm, that. Yeah, I don't know. I know nothing about the setting or I know... Chris Shalone's writing on it. That's all I know. My character from Knights of the Old Republic. <laughs> um, yeah, Wasteland Two. I'm excited. Yep. I I I, uh, I had like early access to it because of the Kickstarter, so I I opened it up and looked at the character creation for like a few minutes today, and I was like, man, this is this is going to require some careful thought. So I closed it again. <laughs> <laughs> I just picked some star. I mean, all I wanted to do was kind of get a taste for it, and uh, I played like a quest, and it was fine. I killed a bear, and then the bear was uh, holding a map to another area, <laughs> and it opened another area on my map. I just took some pre-made characters that seemed like they would work well together, which is probably what I'll do again. I don't. <sighs> I don't tend to want to custom make a bunch of characters. Really. I especially don't want to custom make a bunch of characters. I will make a character, but typically if I'm playing an RPG, I will just go with one of the stock characters because I'm like, you know, I'm guessing that 
when they were designing these default stock characters, they probably didn't make any really, really stupid mistakes <laughs> based yeah. on systems they didn't know were going to be there in that's the future. True. That, that's true. Yeah, so, I, almost, I almost always will make my own characters despite that, though. Just because, I don't know, I feel like they're more they're more my guys it lets me get a little bit more into the yeah it's a question of whether i mean i don't really see the point in role-playing in a single-player game Hmm. although i mean you you do because like like how we were talking about um uh uh, uh, oh not wanting to steal stuff in divinity stuff in divinity yeah yeah i guess i guess you're i guess you're right that Things like that. But I don't care what the guy's name is, right? (laughs) Like, I just don't care. I'm not going to make it a dumb joke so that I have to just look at it, you know, like, oh, my gosh, boner, you have to help us. Like, I'm not going (laughs) to do that. But, like, it's either it's going to be something that has some verisimilitude in the stupid fantasy world, and then I'm just embarrassed at the dumb fantasy name that I made up every time I see it, or it's just like, oh, right. I named this guy Frank. <laughs> so it just says Frank. And every once in a while, I'm like, what? Who's Frank? Oh, that's me. So that's good. Um, it's always, I forget in Fallout games, in Fallout 3 and Fallout New Vegas, it's always weird when you happen to get one of those kill cams where you're visible. Because mm. they're like, wait, who the fuck is that guy? Oh, right. No, that's, that's me. Um, uh, you don't you don't bother to play dress up like I do then. I'm always like, an, picking the best hat. I mean, especially not in a game where I can't see my guy, right? I'll pick the hat that has the best stats on it. Yeah, in in That's, in Fallout Three in New Vegas, I was always like, I was as much choosing gear based on how whether it looked cool with my other gear as much as on the stats, which meant occasionally I had to purposely go into third person view and see how i was looking <laughs> but also just the fact that every now and then you get that cool that kill cam where you get to see your guy that made it worth it to me yeah i don't know i just look like some guy with a beard and glasses <laughs> so i guess i i guess i put a beard on that guy when i made him a year ago <laughs> i also played uh this game called the terror aboard the Speedwell, hmm, which is just it is just a Twitch game uh, that someone is selling. I have no idea based on the, the name of the person, whether it's a man or a woman who wrote it. Uh, it's being sold on itch.io, which I did not know was a place that sold things. But they are, and it's real easy. You just use a PayPal account. So yeah, it's just a twine game, but it's basically like Alien. You go and you're uh, investigating a place, and then a monster gets onto your ship, and apparently it has, like, 60 different endings. There were a ton of branch points, and I don't have a really good sense, having only played it once, of how the structure goes, but it was pretty good. Hmm. There were... Like, I really wish that I could shut off the part of my brain that gets really annoyed with typos and Mm. grammatical errors. There are not a ton of them, but they're just so... In a game that's just text, they are just so immersion-breaking for me. Um, But... I don't really know what to do with the game at this point because, you know, like The Walking Dead, I don't think I ever want to play it again because what I, you know, the playthrough that I got as a result of the choices that I made 
determined the experience for me. And I don't really want to know what the alternatives were, right? Because the game just was what it was. And probably knowing me, even if I tried to make different decisions the second time through, I would make the same decisions again. In this, though, it seems like most of the value in it is how it branches, but I kind of like don't want to just click through all of the early stuff again because I know that I will stop reading it carefully right. if it's stuff that I've seen before. And there's a version that has like a save and load system built in, which I just didn't play. I'm tempted to just read the source. No, no. I'm tempted to just not play it anymore. I'm tempted to just say, all right, I gave him my $3 and I played this game and it took like 15 minutes and I just read a little short story about my experience aboard this spaceship that was infested with aliens. And then that's just what it is for me. And I could talk to somebody else about their playthrough and that's the way that I would find out what possibilities there were as opposed to like actually taking a thing that is primarily like a literary work and making it into a thing that is primarily a data structure. Hmm. And I don't know. I don't, I like, I don't know if that makes any sense or not. Like, I feel like most people wouldn't want to spend $3 on 15 minutes of entertainment and then just declare that they were, that's it. I'm not ever going to look at this again. That's yeah. kind of a hard sell. <laughs> and that translates to roughly going to see a movie, like a, you know, a 90 minute movie that you spend 15 bucks on, 18 bucks on a ticket or something. Yeah, but that isn't how much a ticket costs. How much does a ticket cost? I uh, do, I don't know. $8? I don't $11? I feel like it's more than $10. $4 for a regular <laughs> movie admission at this point, right? Riff, do I hear $3? $3. $3. $3, Kevin. That's how much a movie ticket costs. Okay. Well, the, mo the movie is 15 minutes long, then. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <sighs> all the good movies are. I think that's it. I think that's all the video games I played. I, I tried to play a little bit of Archage. Um, Archage? It's A-R-C-H-E-A-G-E, -E, which is the worst name. It's, an, it's a new MMO that just launched. It's uh, the Tryon Worlds, the Rift people. Oh put it out and it's it just this one just started as free to play and i know nothing about it i've seen the i've seen the name of it um i know that i decided to play it and then five or six hours later i still had not played it um <laughs> that was a thing as a result of you know it being even with the fairly good internet here at the office it took like an hour to download and then it took an hour to expand the files that it had downloaded and then it took an hour to validate those files and then it took an hour to apply those files <laughs> and then when i went to when i finally was able to log in there were probably three hour queues on every server because <laughs> it's like day one you know it's like effectively launch day of an mmo that doesn't cost anything other than nine hours of computer time <laughs> for someone to play so uh nothing to report there you guys see anything in the news i mean there's the big Big elephant. Yeah. The Microsoft buying Minecraft elephant. Yep. Indeed. Minecraft has elephants in it now. <laughs> the one thing that I hope will happen 
is that there will be a version of Minecraft that does not require you to download and maintain a fucking Java virtual machine. <laughs> I don't know how likely that is. And I know that when I say, well, I don't give a fuck about Minecraft mods, everybody's like, well, some people do, so shut up, privileged asshole. Like, I feel like most people care about the mods. I don't believe you. Okay. I think, I, you're, like, I think you're just wrong, but sure. I mean... I think most kids are playing modded versions of Minecraft. And I just don't know that that's actually true. I think that it's possible that most kids are playing on servers where some mods exist, but I don't think that most people who play Minecraft can figure out how to install mods in uh, Minecraft. The eight-year-olds were talking about which mods they would, would disable when when Minecraft was bought by Microsoft, right? Like, I feel like kids have been growing up with this game for six years now and so they just you know, and i feel like even even a thousand individual stories about kids who are running minecraft with a bunch of mods on them don't get us any closer to proving your assertion that most people who play minecraft use a bunch of mods or mine that most people don't sure like i like essentially as soon as riff put a bunch of mods on the server and I had to mod Minecraft in order to play. I just quit playing Minecraft because it's a giant pain in the ass. And I wonder like, if Microsoft I did it once. will start I did it once selling it out, but it's server architecture themselves. Uh, well, probably there. I mean, Minecraft was has, moving in that direction yeah, anyway. They have right? Minecraft With the realms. realms. Yeah. Yeah. So probably they're just going to put some resources into making that more robust and, Maybe everybody can log into the it. same server if they want. Mm. It probably doesn't, you know, it probably doesn't make sense for Microsoft to continue to allow people to just run dedicated servers on their own. I'm sure they will they will probably start cracking down a lot harder on people charging for random stuff on their servers. Like um, hmm. some I forget what commentary I was I was reading about it, but somebody said that the most common like call that that moyang was getting to their support network was parents complaining about uh, their kids spending five dollars on a diamond pickaxe on on whatever server they're playing on and i i bet you that microsoft is gonna put a stop to that pretty quick yeah i don't know i mean it makes sense for it to be a product that has a an actual like official server architecture right yeah. like it got as big as it is in spite of the fact that you have to install fucking java to run it and in spite of the fact that you have to have such i mean don't most computers ship with java installed though? no really no nobody uses java for anything except minecraft anymore <laughs> like yeah it's nah. i feel like i the way that i thought it worked was that it was just java just existed on most machines and the you had to enable it in order to get minecraft no i don't know that there was ever going to be a world in which windows machines shipped with java on them did you not have to install java to install minecraft on a mac dude i have no I idea i don't remember it was so i mean it ago. might just do it for you but i like yeah I think I I think I had to do something to enable the 64-bit version of Java, but I don't remember yeah. what that was. If they if they do take it away from Java, that will cause me to be much more worried about it continuing to be Mac compatible. 
Yeah. I mean, you could probably still run the old version. Uh, maybe. They have well, the, the authentication servers. Yeah, right? but somebody can hack that. I mean, like, sure. if they just if they just make it stop working, then nobody has any compunctions about pirating it. And if every if if literally everyone is savvy enough to install mods, then literally <laughs> everyone is savvy enough to figure out how to crack it. Right? Like, once that just becomes a thing that enough people want. I don't... I mean, this is my... My contention is that most people just don't care, and they will just do whatever it says when they run the program. Like, and... It it kind of makes sense. Like, if they had known what it was going to turn into, I don't think that the server architecture and the way that that infrastructure works would be the way that it is. Mm-hmm. So, having millions of dollars to throw at it to at a, at, a, at a point where you can start over because none of the original creative team is there to tell you not to do something anymore. Like, maybe they just move to a model where all of the servers are, like, official servers. Who knows? Yeah, I'm curious. You know, it'd be nice to be able to, it would be nice to be able to move between servers, like, to move between worlds without having to worry about all of the just unsafe bullshit that that would produce, right? Yeah, I don't know. It's weird. I'm happy for them that they got even more money than they had. I mean, after Sweden takes all the taxes out of it. (laughs) Sure. It's probably only going to be like a billion dollars. Yeah, only a billion. (laughs) Gosh, she'll only be able to buy a sixth of an aircraft carrier. What would you do with a sixth of an aircraft carrier? Uh, It probably wouldn't float real good. No. Do you think that that would mean that you'd be able to launch one-sixth of the planes or one-sixth of each of the planes? (laughs) One-sixth of each plane. Just a wing. (laughs) Whee! Mm. (laughs) Did you hear about how Surge came back? Uh, Yeah, I've I've been watching your your online uh, campaign. Oh, it's so good. Seriously, when, when it was first out, it was like my favorite soda, and I was so sad when it went away. And then it came back as Vault, and I was like, oh my god, yes, it's back, it's the best thing! And then it went away again, and I was super sad again. And now it's it's back, and it's like Christmas. Um, does it taste exactly the same, as far as you can remember? As far as I can remember, yeah. And it's the same, like, bright green. <laughs> That's nuts. Yeah. Oh, it's so good. Surge, Surge is to Mountain Dew as Coke is to Pepsi basically wow yeah huh it's those like, them's, them's strong words well yeah it's, i mean because mountain dew it like goes flat right away and it doesn't taste like anything except sugar and just like as as coke is the definitely preferable to to pepsi it's just the same sort of situation if it goes flat it's because you're not drinking it fast enough you just the way that you drink Mountain Dew is you open a can of Mountain Dew and then you drink just the entire can down of your Ma- neck. Yeah. yeah, like you just guzzle it. Like, yeah, true, true. You can get those little. You can get those little like eight ounce cans, or you can get a fountain Mountain Dew and it's like just as carbonated just, as just everything else that comes out of the fountain. That's mm. fine. Or you can do what I did when I worked at the movie theater in high school. You can just pour yourself a shot of Mountain Dew syrup oh. and just take that. <laughs> Wow. Yeah, take that, stomach. Yeah, take that, pancreas. <laughs> it could take it. I was I was young. I needed the money. <laughs> I lived on just popcorn and Mountain Dew for uh, like a year, and it was great. 
I would occasionally go next door to the grocery store and get some turkey, just to have a little bit of protein. <laughs> so this assignment, Doggins. Yeah. 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 It was all right. It was cute. I got, I got stuck. I got to... Um, the elevator door. No, I got past the elevator door. I got, okay. I got to the bit on the moon where the squirrel is riding that bicycle. Yeah, that was a little annoying. I, I figured out what you're supposed to do. Like, I, I, I found the clue and realized that it was a clue. And okay, the so instructions, here's how, you mean? <laughs> yeah, exactly. The instructions. And it's like, okay, so here's what you do. But I, yeah. could, I couldn't get it to work. And I just I ended up stuck there. My problem was entirely the inability to actually execute on the things that I wanted the guy to do, hmm. right? Like, the the I got stuck at the elevator door, not because I didn't have the items that I needed or because I didn't know what to do. It is because the first time I tried it, I just dragged a thing to the wrong spot and it didn't work or something because it you like you, you had to draw, drag it several times to get it to fully disengage, right? Yeah, but it just I, like. As soon as I tried it again, it was obvious that it was working. Mm. It's just that for whatever reason. Yeah. I, this has just convinced me that adventure games are bad. <laughs> huh. I just continue to believe that adventure games are bad. I would, I, I would not I had say no that adventure games are bad, but I would say that a really good one is the exception to the rule, right? Like it, it it's like what's, what's it? Sturgeon's law, like 90% of everything is crap. Is, is just as true for point-and-click adventures as it is for everything else. No, I think it's Carp's Law. 90% of everything is sturgeon. Oh. 90% <laughs> of Minecraft players are surgeons. <laughs> I liked all the little puzzles. There, I mean, it just there just yeah. was not a lot of content there, but I was kind of yeah. okay with that. I, I liked the, the, uh, the art style and the graphic design and... You're literally on the very last puzzle riff. If you oh yeah, didn't, hmm. yeah, maybe I'll. The art style is cute. I got stuck on the fucking like the point where you have to go down into the crater, and then I looked up a walkthrough, mm. and it told it took a long time to find a walkthrough. A lot of uh, ad pop ups and stuff. Yeah. I, I think got... there are so many games now that it's getting harder and harder to yeah. find a walkthrough for just some random game that probably only. 40 people are playing. I got a, a weird bug, uh, actually, at the crater where I, I, was, I, I was trying to use the, the boot and the parachute, but I guess I hadn't, I hadn't realized that you had to combine them previously. Mm -hmm. So I was like sitting in the boot trying to use the parachute, crashed my game, and then when I loaded it back up, I was at the crater, but without the boot or the parachute. <laughs> They had just been erased from my inventory, <laughs> so the game had, like, softlocked. It was, like, not possible to win at that point, and I had to uninstall and reinstall the game to get a new save file. Wow. Wow, that sucks. Yeah. I just uh, got so pissed off every time I'm like, all right, well, I should use the boot, and then every time I tried to do anything after that, he just jumps out of the fucking boot, and I was like, well... <laughs> I don't want to watch that animation a hundred more times while I try to figure out how you use this fucking thing. So I guess we're done. <laughs> you you did not get to the squirrel and bicycle. I did not get to the squirrel and bicycle. Was that like was the getting down into the crater like the next to last puzzle? Pretty much. Pretty much. Oh. Yeah. Okay. Well, at, at least I can say for this game that it is short. I mean, it's 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 cute, and I'm sure that for somebody who likes adventure games, and I should have known. 
I'm, I grew up playing almost exclusively adventure games Mm -hmm. on the computer. And it's weird that I just hate them so much now. Maybe you just hate uh, your childhood. Maybe I do. And this reminds you of it. No, I just remember how I never really got to, I didn't have any money and I didn't, I didn't get to make any of my own decisions about things. And Are maybe you, um, when, when they do the, the, the reissue of, uh, uh, Grim Fandango. Grim Fandango that's that's coming out. Are you going to play that, or are you too afraid nope. that it will suck? It, I'm certain that it will suck. If they don't update the gameplay significantly, that thing is going to land, and everybody is going to say, oh, man, this looks really nice, but I forgot. Adventure games are fucking terrible. <laughs> because that is that is the worst offender, probably because it has, like, the coolest atmosphere. And so mm-hmm. the inability to solve a puzzle is stopping you from seeing the coolest stuff in it. Like, once I look at a walkthrough for an adventure game, I'm basically just playing by walkthrough. Because once you overcome that initial friction of looking at it the first time... Yeah, once you break that seal, yep, definitely. And so... You don't derive pleasure from figuring stuff out on your own? Not if I'm just never going to. Like, if I quit... Well, if I, how do you know unless you try? If I do try, and if it takes me so long to solve a puzzle that I stop playing the game instead, I'll come back to it and try again, and if I don't solve it in that stretch, however long it takes me to think, I'm not enjoying this game, I would rather do something else. Like, I would rather go back to work than continue playing this ostensible entertainment product than I will look at a walkthrough. <laughs> ostensible entertainment product would be a pretty good name for a game. Damn. <laughs> It's like, those are not, like, because I know that if it came down to it, I could brute force this puzzle by just trying everything. And there's no fucking way I'm going to do that because fuck that. It's boring and it takes a long time and fuck that. And you're supposed to apply your, you're supposed to apply your brain power to it so that you eliminate a bunch of possibilities. But they are the worst kind of puzzle. They are the kind of puzzle, invariably, that you just have to think of whatever specific thing that someone else thought of without there necessarily being anything there to clue it. Right? Sure. Yeah, well, that's that's what makes the difference between a well-designed one and a poorly designed one. Yeah, that's that would be my argument as well. But it only takes one poorly designed one to get you stuck. Yeah. Sure. But, that's, but then that's where you look at a walkthrough and you just keep moving on without... Yeah, but Constant once I, but once, once, I mean, I, you know, I, Riff, Riff is with me on this. Once yeah. you've looked at a walkthrough once, it's, 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 so it's, much it's just, easier it's to over. Look the next time. Yeah. And so what I do is once I look at a walkthrough once and get past a puzzle, the next time I get stuck, I just quit. Like that is, that is how I have always been with adventure games, except when I was a kid and I only had one game. And so mm. I would just move from room to room trying stuff. And the rewards that I got were like, Oh, there's a line of text that I've never seen before. You know, I'm I'm beginning to wonder if most people, when they consume games, only consume, like, one game every couple of months, um, because that would explain why they repeat the same kinds of experiences in video games and people don't get seem to get tired of them, because it's because most people aren't encountering both of those games yeah or the all 10 of those games or whatever you know so like critics and people in the industry notice it because they're just they're seeing it every single time 
but the individual consumer will will see one instance of it and that one instance of it will seem new and original to them hmm. uh, i mean i think the fact that a lot of people's experience of video games is they play all of the new calls of duty as they come out and they play all the new maddens as they come out like right i don't know that there is a lot of sort of design trope fatigue at work there because they're just doing a thing that they like and they want the new one that's very slightly that's different. more of what they like yeah but yeah i don't know people, people are definitely seeking that. novelty to some extent though i mean otherwise indie games wouldn't ever become popular yeah but they're not popular well they're they're popular enough to make some people they're popular enough for like a handful of guys to make a living right yeah. i mean it, like they're not popular Almost no one has played them, right? As opposed to Minecraft. For, I mean, Minecraft is a crazy notable exception, right? I mean, when we were when we were talking to the the people that were doing the contract gig for it, it was like, what sort of touchstones do kids have? Like, what video games have kids definitely played? And he said, well, the happy answer to that question is Minecraft, and the depressing answer to that question is Call of Duty. Like, every 10-year-old kid, if he has played two video games, they are Minecraft and Call of Duty. Hmm. Like, so, like, yeah, there's a lot of crazy stuff going on, but that stuff, we're so deep in it that it doesn't even look like a niche from where we are, but it is a niche in a niche. Like, I wonder how many people played Doggins. I wonder <laughs> if it sold a thousand copies. Yeah, I don't know. How did you find out about it? Uh, I saw it on probably Pocket Gamer or Eurogamer, one of the blogs that I read. Because even like being featured on the front page of iTunes does not necessarily mean that your video game will make enough money to pay one person to live for one year. Even if it's like an okay game. Like, the kind of... It, a thing that was for a while, like indie games on a phone that one guy could just make in a garage in a few months has become just another copy of the like hit driven bullshit that we used to have that was just all of games right mm. yeah I don't know Doggins I don't regret buying it but yep. whatever adventure <laughs> games they're terrible <laughs> so what's next uh, we're gonna play Hack and Slash Woo! next because it's it's out for real and uh, it was a thing that we were all gonna play anyway. So yep. we're all curious about it. The next assignment. I played. I've played some of it already and it's good. But then I guess I don't know if they pushed some minor update to it that has just caused me to no longer be able to run the program. And hopefully, huh. hopefully they will fix that in a couple of days so that I can play some more of it before next week. We'll I mean, see, I we'll see what happens. I was playing it today really so huh. yeah i wonder if it's particular to some difference between our machines yeah i don't know do you guys want to do some listeners mail sure kari writes i've been listening to old shows and was astounded by kevin breaking screwdrivers when setting up ikea furniture aren't you aware that you can only use metric tools like Siemens or Bosch power tools or a sweet Swiss army pocket knife? Seriously, they sell crappy tools here. In six months in the USA, I've broken more screwdrivers than in 30 years in Germany. Yeah. 
I don't think I've ever broken a screwdriver. You've never stripped a screwdriver? <laughs> That's usually not how that works. I, I've ruined a bunch of screwdrivers, like them stripping out on screws. Hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. I guess like a Phillips head screwdriver gets to yeah, eventually gets to the yeah. point where you can't really use it anymore. But yep. I don't know. It just I becomes just, an all. I avoid <laughs> it by just not doing very much with my hands. Uh, yeah, I would. I would use power tools all the time, uh, given the option. But I am usually assembling furniture in a city where I don't have access to my tools, <laughs> so that's problematic. Kari writes. Oh, you want questions? Won't someone set up an XP virtual machine for Emily so she can play Fallout Three again? Be good, guys. I don't actually know how to set up a virtual XP install. The reason that I put Windows 7 on the desktop machine that I that I gave to her, like she sort of inherited my old desktop machine, to put Windows XP on it required me to like dig up a floppy drive <laughs> so that I could install the like SCSI drivers for the RAID array that that computer shipped with because <laughs> It just didn't have, like, a normal hard drive controller that a Windows XP CD could... Like, and this didn't seem like a big deal to me, because I remember when you have to use... Like, you had to boot off of a floppy disk to run a CD-ROM driver, like, before a Tappy was a thing, and every BIOS could just run a CD-ROM drive. Uh, so it's like, oh, okay, this is just what you have to do when you're installing an operating system. Like, before you format the hard drive, make sure that you have downloaded and put on a floppy disk everything that you're going to need to install this, because otherwise you're just fucked. Um, so I just installed Windows 7. I did not realize that Fallout 3 won't run on Windows 7. I don't know that that's actually a thing. Yeah, I don't know. I've never tried. There might be some goofy thing about that particular install. Our chicken says, being a game developer seems to mean uh, interacting with a horrid sub-community of people. Notch, Phil Fish, Zoe Quinn are arguably recent examples, but this has probably been the case for quite a long time. Ghostcrawler. Did you ever almost quit? I never... I never had much of a problem along these lines, and I, and I think that the sad actual reason for that is that whenever I have expressed a controversial opinion about something historically... I have been on the same side of the issue as the assholes who are doing this kind of stuff rather than on the right side of it, thus prompting the ire of someone who could do that. Like, somebody who is right and listens to a podcast where somebody does something shitty and irresponsible is probably just going to walk away, right? As opposed to, like, somebody who is really wrong and hears somebody say something that's right and challenges their word worldview, they're the ones that are going to start throwing shit. Like, you know, I don't know. Notch seems like a really nice guy. Phil Fish has only ever been really friendly and generous and a little abrasive on the internet and maybe a little socially awkward because he's like a fucking nerd. Like, Jen Frank is awesome and any industry that she leaves is is poorer without her in it and it it sucks it sucks that all this shit is happening. Like, you know, we, we hung out with Anita Sarkeesian a little bit over the weekend at XOXO, and, you know, she's just a fucking person. She's fine. Played some board games, had some fun. She, like, she made some jokes that didn't quite land, and it was like, oh, right, that's just a human. It's <laughs> it's weird, because when when all you see is this sort of, like, buttoned-up, very high-production-value thing that is made by someone and then 
controversial news reports, it does make it difficult to think of people as just people. But they they are, all of them are. Like, yeah. And, you know, every, everybody could stand to be a little nicer, especially... There was a guy, there was a Gamergate guy fucking leafleting at XOXO. <laughs> and they had to, like, kick him out. I think they had to kick him out because the conference organizers started shit with him and he responded by getting militant is the impression that I got about that. But but still, it's fucking gross. It's gross that someone actually showed up in real life yeah, that's, to do that. That's surprising. It is surprising, but at the very least, it's good that there was only one guy. True. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, there was some guy... That was like threatening to to do whatever, like just vaguely insinuating that he was gonna that he was gonna come to KOLCon and like teach us a lesson because of the terrible way that we uh, you know do whatever. And so there was all this fucking hand wringing about it, and it's like, mm. well, what if this guy turns up? I do, and it was just some fucking guy who showed up, and nothing happened because nothing was gonna happen, and. Ugh. Yeah, I mean, that's all fine until something does is the problem, right? Like, sure, but, I mean, that's the thing. Like, it is. it has always been really easy for me to ignore the people who said they were going to show up and hurt me because I knew they were never going to because every time they said they were going to, they never did. And it was only a handful of times, and, you know, because I'm a guy, I get 1% of it that I, that I otherwise would. Because I don't engage with them at all, I get 1% of it. And... Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of mitigating factors that make it and way because less I'm severe. not a person who will I'm not willing to put myself out there on the side of right the way that hmm. a lot of people are and so I just don't I don't make myself a target and that is because I am weak and passively socially irresponsible. You're not you're not a warrior for social justice. Yes, I would not <laughs> characterize myself as one of those. But no, I never almost quit. There's no, you know, I'm not, this is not to say that I'm good at making games, but I'm sure as shit not good at anything else. Mike says, hey, Video Games Hot Dog, the way iTunes plays podcasts, when an episode finishes, the previous one immediately starts playing, which can be funny. The end of episode 166, Riff says, tell me about your mother, led into me saying, what, Tia Leone? <laughs> Morgan Blair says, Gridland has a new game plus mode. Did any of you get to that point? No, uh, I didn't. Um, I never even beat the first boss. I, I mean, I finished it. I don't remember if the new game plus was any different. I didn't even finish the first night. So, oh, that's right. Uh, the Reaper says, "Can you guys do a Fire Emblem game as an assignment? That has always been my favorite game series. I would suggest either Fire Emblem Awakening for the 3DS, the newest, most polished one, or the Sacred Stones, the second one released for the GBA in America, which is also great. If you pick the latter one, you will almost certainly want an emulator because the last one I checked, uh, because when I last checked, Sacred Stones is about 120 bucks on eBay. Thanks. Wow. I think I might own the Sacred yeah. Stones. I own one of the GBA I, ones. I own the most recent one and have not actually played it." My problem with those games, and I, I know that it would be it would be frustrating for me to play and then frustrating for people to hear my experience of, because I know that losing characters results in like you permanently being locked out of plot yeah, stuff. Even though I don't even though I don't care about the plot stuff, mm -hmm. I can't bring myself to skip it. And even though I hate cutscenes, 
if I if you say, well, you okay, you can't watch this one. I was like, fuck you. That's all I want. I've never wanted anything more than to see that cutscene. <laughs> Which means that every single fight you end up playing it over and over until you get yeah. it without losing a single yep. guy. Just save and load and save and load and save and load and save and load until you don't load a single. And it sucks. It's terrible. And I don't. I this does don't, not sound like a game I would enjoy. It does not. I, I think no, you, God, no, you would, it would destroy, it like would you would just play it pathologically. So you would either have not finished the second mission by the time it was time to do the episode and talk about it, or you would not have slept are the, in the intervening week. Are the battles very heavily random? I don't not think very so. heavily. There is some randomness, but it is not. So if lot. you have good strategy, theoretically, you can do well or something oh yeah. it, it's i mean it's a strategy game yeah it's a it's like final fantasy tactics kind of thing yeah michael says kevin you should play the sequel to hex cells hex cells plus it's basically the full game to the tutorial that is the first one i personally found it too hard but you will probably enjoy it uh yeah that sounds like something that i would probably do i'll put that on my list right now uh, let's see. Troy says, Zach, I agree that Anubis Gates is good. Good. Troy. Zach, I cannot agree with you about Kindle page turning being gross. I'm pretty sure I heard a Kindle call you gross, neener neener. <laughs> Troy says, another pen and paper role-playing game suggestion for Zach, Ars Magica. The magic system works by combining a verb with a noun. Verbs are things like create, destroy, change, etc. Nouns are things like air, fire, animal. So you could create fire or destroy animal or, mm-hmm. I guess, change air by... Have you, um, have you seen um, Dungeon Crawl Classics? I have not. I, I bought it recently. It is surprisingly thick. It's like a two-inch thick tome, but it's like early, early D&D, AD&D rules. It's like dwarf is a class, not a race sort of stuff, like super old school. It's pretty good looking. I mean, I've just read the book. I haven't played it, but it looks like possibly a fun system. Uh, Ladies Love Lungfish says, Hey, why have the first 50 episodes of Video Games Hot Dog completely disappeared off of iTunes? I stripped uh, the beginning off of the XML feed because something about the way that that file gets generated causes a bunch of feed readers to stop working once there are too many episodes in there. So the episodes are still there. You can all, you can get them from the website, but like the, the iTunes feed just doesn't go back all the way anymore and i'll probably call that to 100 again pretty soon and just try to keep less than 100 episodes on there just so that i don't end up with these dumb problems with different like esoteric linux asshole feed sites and programs does that mean that mom hacker won't be available to the general public on itunes anymore not on itunes oh that's sad um <laughs> Vernacio says, Hey guys, what are your thoughts on permadeath in video games that are not roguelikes? How about pen and paper RPGs? Do you think it's generally acceptable for a GM to fudge roles that results in PC death uh, if it's to preserve fun? I mean, I think it's acceptable for the game master to do anything in the yeah. service of the preservation I mean, of fun. It depends on, depends on the situation and what resources the, the, the players have for like recovering from a death. And what game you're playing? I mean, yeah, if you're playing yeah. a if you're playing a one off like Call of Cthulhu game, and it's about oh, sure, the end yeah. of the night, or then paranoia. yeah, of course, like yeah, everybody dies, true, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Um. 
A permadeath in video games is not precisely necessary and not quite sufficient to make a video game a roguelike by certain definitions, right? Like, right. if you just get... I mean, Pac-Man has permadeath, right? <laughs> Pac-Man is not a roguelike, but, like, permadeath was just the default state of video games. For you have a really multiple lives in Pac-Man. You do have multiple lives, but, you know... Once the game was over, it was over. The notion of lives is weird, narratively. Oh, so, sure. But so I, mean, I can understand. Permadeath makes a lot of sense from a naive point of view. Continually respawning is a strange hmm. sort of... But games would not be fun if you only got to play them once and you didn't know what you were doing. What was that game? Was sure. it uh, uh, Karatika or Karatika? Where your three lives were three different characters with slightly different stats. And, uh, and, yeah, and I think the, that sounds the, right. The ending was was slightly different depending, like the best ending you got if you beat it with the first guy, and the worst ending if you only beat it with the last guy. That sounds familiar. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. F says. Reception and Legacy. The game was critically acclaimed. Electronic Gaming Monthly gave it a award for Best Action Game of 1995. GamePro gave it a 4.5 out of 5 rating. The game placed 22nd in official Nintendo Magazine's 100 Greatest Nintendo Games of All Time. What game are they talking about, you may ask? Yoshi's Island. <laughs> well, a lot of people are wrong about a lot of things. <laughs> hmm. Data Vortex says, Please play and discuss Centris. I would like to... I don't know anything about that, I don't think. Is that Tetris around a circle? It's a music game that they've talked about it on a handful of podcasts. The developer was on... The developer, I think, was a guest on a giant bombcast around the time of Gamer X because she was talking about both of those things. Hmm. It maybe, is... Maybe put it on our... Yeah, that do. should go on the that should go on the list of assignments. Then and then uh, they talked about it on an Idle Thumbs recently too. It's it is definitely like a music game that is also a puzzle game, like where you're trying to you're trying to accomplish a goal. I think, but the way that you accomplish that goal determines what the music sounds like. It's like huh. you're, you're doing it sort of like that terrible, not terrible, but that first person game that I didn't like at all, where you're running around the abstract landscape. Fract OSC. Oh, yeah, right. Fract OSC. Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, let's see. That's probably enough listeners' mail. Okay. Kevin, if somebody wanted to send us one of these listeners' mails, how would they go about doing that? They could tweet us at VGHotDog. They could email us, VGHotDog at gmail.com, or they could go to our website, VideoGamesHotDog.com, where they can get the uh, first 50 episodes and they can fill in comment and question forms and they can see skeletons and sweet swords it's a good place to hang out I don't know that I would characterize <laughs> it as a good place to hang out yeah. and there's only the one skeleton and one sweet sword yeah but you can load it twice Okay. if you're going to be hanging out there you're going to be reloading That's, it I mean I guess you could drag your browser window back and forth to make the skeleton do a little dance yep. <laughs> and say watch out for that flying sword <laughs> guys I've had, I would go so far as to say, 
an amazing time recording episode number Whoa, 70 oh of Video Games Hot Dog with the two of you. Well, I'm, I really. have to agree. You have. That's been great. <laughs> and I hope we record another one real soon, and I suspect that we will in just one week's time. And until then, listeners, keep your head in the toilet and keep reaching for the fridge. Yep. Good night. Yeah, have a great week, everybody. Jesus. You sweep, and all it does is blow them around into different corners. That's not true. Well, if you do a shitty job of sweeping, it is, and I do.